everyone. This is Heaving Bosoms, the podcast where two best friends recap romance novels while going off on tangents, laughing our faces off, and using our shared love of the romance genre to stay connected. This week, we're starting off with a Patreon shout out because we love our patrons. Valerie S., you are a descendant of Bia, the Greek goddess of force, power, and raw energy. While she was a right hand to Zeus and definitely a background character, you've taken her powers and become a truly compelling protagonist. Your zest for life, energy to see every endeavor through, the power of your intellect, and the might of your will make you a force to be reckoned with. Luckily, you're not using it to chain human-loving titans to rocks for the rest of eternity. We're real grateful for that. And we're honored you're on our team. We're still matching all new and increased pledges to donate to AAPI Women Lead. So head over to patreon.com forward slash heaving bosoms podcast to get over 100 bonus episodes, video episodes, shout outs like you just heard, gifts, merch discounts, and so much more. This week, we're finishing up our swoony coverage of The Duke Who Didn't by Courtney Milan. Here we go. Hey-o. Hey-o. I got a really itchy nose as soon as we started. <laughs> What's up? I have a bone to pick with you. <laughs> Listener. All right. We stopped recording part one. We had yeah. a delightful little, we, we left to pee and warm up our coffee. Yep. We had a delightful, friendly conversation before pushing record. So I want you to know that you've just listened to the hour and a half of part one. We just had a, a f- like a, a nice little cordial friend check-in. We were talking about the book a little bit. And then she launches whatever this is at me with yeah. nothing. This is not <laughs> what. I have a bone to pick Jesus with Christ. you. That you didn't have to pick an hour and a, a half ago when we did the first one. It was less important then. Now <laughs> it is of the utmost importance. All right. <laughs> okay. That is, my friend, that on your absolutely stunning podcast that I am the number one fan of movie briefs. Oh, I'm like, this is podcast. <laughs> we are podcast right now. No, yes, no. movie briefs. Your other, your other very, very incredible project. Movie briefs is a monthly podcast that I do with Cole where we talk mm-hmm. about legal movies and the laws within them. I like to think it's funny. So actually, now that I think about it, I have two bones My to God. pick with you. Okay, yes. All right, which is... One, in the latest episode where you talked about Liar Liar, yes. you and Cole said that you've never, ever counted well. Yes. And then you said that we have also never counted perfectly. And yes. so the common denominator is you. And so it must be your fault. Yes. I think that you should be kinder to yourself because, oh. hey, Cole, we just counted 
perfectly. We did count really well just now. We did. We did a count off really well at the beginning of this podcast. (laughs) Listen, as a narcissist and an Enneagrams 3, I often say self-deprecating things to put the other party at ease. And you know what? It's it's been Cole's fault the whole time. I just didn't want him to think that way. Indeed. Mm -hmm. And when we do it wrong, it's your fault. I'm basically (laughs) fine and perfect. But I didn't want to say that. I wanted him to feel, no, you know. I hear you. I mm-hmm. hear you. You didn't want to mess up the whole rest of the podcast. Right. Because yeah. he wouldn't be able to handle it. I didn't want to be like, you can. moron, count to nine. I mean, that would have been a really bad way to start that podcast, you know. <laughs> Just do the odds, Cole. God. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's you know what? This this is really what's happening is oh. when we when I do it on on movie briefs, you I have to do the odds. Oh because no, I start it, do the even and it always throws me off and it is me every time. <laughs> that's that's the real story. That's not a bit. It really is me every time on movie briefs because I can't figure out how to do the odds since I've done evens with you for the past four years. Four years. That's yeah. the reality of the situation. <laughs> you know what? That makes a lot more sense. Okay, my second bone to pick with you yes. is that on our Cloy 8 Patreon episode, I believe it was because I referred to something as a Schmurfenberger or something yes. like that. Yeah. You said that you have brought me down because I yes. used to be able to say words. I have made you dumber. I have made your brain smoother. I have smoothed <laughs> out some of the ridges that used to <laughs> exist. And after listening to movie briefs, yes, that is super not true. What I love about movie briefs is that everybody gets to hear like <laughs> a totally... just a promotion banter? For I don't know. I'm just your biggest fan. I just fucking love it. You get to hear the side of Aaron that is like lawyer and knows everything and has and has so many intricate opinions based on precedents and laws from military to Alaska to New Orleans. And you get to hear her, her depth of knowledge and her absolute competence boner. I have such a competence boner for you the whole time. And so I don't know if it's really that you have made the ridges on my brain smoother and I don't know that it's necessarily that I have made you dumber via heaving bosoms. I wonder if it's an ass eating its own tail kind of situation. <laughs> You're saying that the fusion of Aaron and Melody creates an it just energy gets sillier and sillier. that just files just down our brain folds to where we just can't. We it's just so want to have so much funs together. Like how often we how often we assert that we are smart, but we're just struggling and we don't know why right now. That's true. Yeah, Do that's we true? Cre- oh no. I think Do we make each other dumber. <laughs> just in these hour and a half in yeah, which we record. Because I feel like we run business pretty good. We do. And we have, we have friendship conversations like normal fucking humans. And for some reason, <laughs> when we sit down to record, we're just like, let's play. <laughs> so anyway, to end my promotion for her monthly podcast, Movie Braves, if Ooh. you want to get the biggest competent schlong you've ever gotten in your life, <laughs> go listen to Aaron and Cole talk about legal movies and how they are or are not accurate as far as legal legality is concerned. You can hear them discuss how to be ethical, like the ethics of lawyership, which is different than regular ethics, which I just learned. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
I love every time it pops up. I'm like, oh my god! And and just now, like this past episode, um, I, I can't believe you able- listened to it. it blows- <laughs> it's literally blowing my mind that you've listened to it. I've never even seen Devil's Advocate, and now I want to because I did go read the IMDb thing about their description of Charlie oh, Theron Charlie in that Theron's church. Open bush. and holy ballcats! <laughs> that's not what happened at all. No. Sorry, oh, that's from the god, Devil's Advocate that episode. Scene. Where Keanu gets up on her ear and smooches her ear and then takes her earring out of his mouth. <gasps> Hot. With his, what? That we talked about it at length on the episode. You didn't talk about it at length. What you did was say, that's another podcast referring to heaving bosoms. Well, I said what he did, which was smooch up on her ear and then get her oh, earring into his mouth. I forgot mouth about actually taking the earring and out. And then taking it out and smooch. handing it to her. He says fuck. something too, like you lost this or whatever. It's hot. Oh, fuck. He's hot in that movie. He is not. I mean, good at actoring <laughs> but he, he is hot. we've done here listen bosoms listener hey all right good good afternoon um Hello. he uh li- we have listen if you don't like laws that's fine but we have covered what we call some hot law which is yeah. mcconaughey law and keanu reeves <laughs> law uh not so much and, tom cruise law and mcconaughey law is like <sighs> hot and sweaty so, so, so many sweaty. humidities. My notes had the word lickable so many times, you guys. <laughs> go go watch A Time to Kill. Don't watch the first 10 minutes, but do watch the rest. And just, God, he is like blindingly hot in that movie. You forget how hot Matthew McConaughey used to be. It is like looking at the sun. Anyway, <sighs> I talked about that on that episode, too. It's monthly, yeah. so there's only four of them. We did A Few Good Men. We did... What's the we did uh, a time uh, to kill? What's the what's um, Devil's um, Advocate? Harvard and Reese Liar, Witherspoon, Liar. Legally Blonde. Oh, Legally Blonde. And we did there's five then. A Time to Kill, a Devil's Advocate, and yeah. So there's five. There's yeah. five now. Yeah, and it's good. I I love it. Wow. Thanks. What a good podcast that is. I did anyway. not expect this to be banter. I thought you were <laughs> going to talk about how your son shit himself. No, no, Aaron. Sorry. <laughs> Melody wants to minimize the amount of children's stories she's telling because she's worried she's going to scar her kids for the future. I am. I just became worried about it. And I feel like that's late. Teen Ember is not going to listen to this podcast and say, oh, my God, my mother talked about me shitting myself when I was three. He's going to listen to podcasts and be like, oh, no, my mother is talking about clit spanking. (laughs) Fair. Period. You know what? To be fair, if he takes after me at all. He will tell this sharding story himself. Exactly. That's not the thing that's going to embarrass him about podcasts. <laughs> that's true. That's true. It Let's is all the sexual content. Yes. But yeah, one of my favorite stories about myself is when I was two and I came into a room and I announced to a group of people, my doo-doo looks like a banana. Because <laughs> <laughs> toddler me definitely did that. I think I told this story on our embarrassing moments Patreon, but one time when I was in kindergarten, during Uh nap time, I um, shit myself with like a very loud fart. I was sick. Oh, yeah. Is it a shard? A sick shard is so sad. And then I laid there for a long time because I I knew if I was the one to get up to like tell the teacher that I had an they accident all know that, that everyone knew it was me so I laid there for what I felt like at five was a really long time uh-huh, but it was uh-huh. probably like 10 to 20 seconds you know like just <laughs> yeah. time perception wise at that age 
Well, yeah, because you're also mortified. Oh, I know. And I told Mrs. Waters, Stovall, I don't remember. I told my teacher and I said, I had an accident. And she put her hands on my shoulders and she said, honey, we know. (laughs) (laughs) And that remains one of the most mortifying (laughs) moments of my life. I was sick. I didn't do it on purpose. All right. One time my friend. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Edit out her name. Do do like a schmur over her name if you can. Okay. One time my friend, she went on a mission trip to like Mm -hmm. somewhere and they didn't refrigerate any of the food on the mission trip. They just put all the food, like the meat and stuff, into like an yeah. air-conditioned room. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. they didn't know it until after, you know, words. And everybody got like really, really sick. And we were at the mall. And she was talking about how she was like the only one that <laughs> hadn't gotten super <laughs> sick from her like church trip or whatever. And then she just <laughs> shit herself in front of all of them. And she was like, oh, no. She's like, I thought it was going to be a fart. And it wasn't. And oh, my God. And then she ran through the ball with her hand on her butt, trying to stop it from coming out so that she could get to a bathroom. Like, it was already out, some of it. But she was trying (laughs) trying to minimize She didn't want more to come out. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We lost. Touch quite some time ago, so I hope that she never hears Forgives you. (laughs) (laughs) Believe it or not, my mission trip friends didn't stick around. Uh, (laughs) Friends that were real into church didn't stick (laughs) stick with me through the years. I want to be clear that I was not, I I never have gone on a mission trip. I just want to be, I don't want the emails, guys. I was never into that stuff. I never went to church. I'll take those emails if anyone wants to email me about my soul. I'm happy to take those, but I, I didn't. I was not a mission trip person. Fair. What are we doing? Well, you know, I really feel like we started the second half of Duke Who Didn't in the classiest way possible, as is our way. I love that you started. You were like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give Aaron compliment. I'm going <laughs> to come out and I'm going to say, wow, what lawyer? Good facts. Uh, mm-hmm. Opinions. Hot brain. Hot genius. Promote podcast. Good good job, Melody. Good friend. And then I was just like, listen to shit. Like I, I mean, that's what I did last time. I talked about the hero having diarrhea. What's wrong with me? This is this where beautiful you book get to be like such a nice, good hero. Honestly, this is the one time in our life where we get to just be pure id, you know? I don't know what that means, Melody. <laughs> And on that note, <laughs> we are going to start Dooku didn't part two. I okay. know about ethos and pathos. Is that an id? No, that's the different thing. This That's the psyche mm-hmm. thing. That's like, yeah. the, nope, going to shut up. But I know the <laughs> other ones. The logos? No, those ethoses and pathoses. Yeah. And the no, logos. Logoses. Yeah. Right, right, right. Congratulations. There's several of them. There's three. You need them. Yeah, three. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's categorized as a few. I don't know, though, you know? <laughs> okay. So here we Aegean. are. What? Pangea. <laughs> well, the Aegean Sea is a sea. That's a sea. That's I a real know. sea. I know. And then I went further back. 
okay. to when the sea was all one sea. But and there Pangea was just a Pangea. was the land. The sea I know, and there was just a Pangea. Name. Do you think, do you think the, it was, it's Pangea and then the sea was called the Sea of Pangea? The Aegean? <laughs> they just... <laughs> They were like, the Greeks will come around at some point. <laughs> the Aegean Sea. <laughs> the Greeks will come around. <laughs> if we wait long enough, guys, fellow Pangeans, the Greeks That's will right. come. So we're just going to mm-hmm. go ahead and call this one Aegean. <laughs> That's what they did. <laughs> I don't want to talk about book. I just want to talk about nothing. No, I do. I do want to talk about book. Book is so good. Okay. Book's so, good. Jeremy is here, and um, he's talking to Mr. Wilderhampshire because Mr. Wilderhampshire, the child, the precocious he's the child. child. He's the. Pre- I don't think we ever said his name in the previous. Episode. We did. Oh, okay. we did. It's All one right. of my favorite things to say, so I made sure. But I'm, I'm positive, Mr. Wilderhampshire. Uh huh. So anyway, he's a downtrodden. Yes, he's a dower. He's sitting like a toadstool because he doesn't know how to fit in with people. And right. So Jeremy comes over to teach him all about the trials, and. This conversation is neat because not only do we find out how Jeremy first, like, discovered the trials, he sort of happened upon them one day when he was trying to um, get away from his terrible relatives who hate him because he's half Chinese. And he ran into Andy, who's I, one of the people we already met. Was yeah. he going to see the aunt that d- that no. appears later? Okay. Because I he was going I to really, see a, a different distant cousin. I really enjoyed the explanation. Enjoyed. I really found interesting the explanation of his relationship with his aunt and i don't want to because it's like she cared about him but she was also like very racist and prejudiced and stifled him and there there's so it's so complicated and beautiful how it was described his Mm -hmm. experience growing up with her i anyway i just didn't want to minimize it by saying the relatives hated him because it's a lot more complicated than that but these were different relatives. Yes, they were different right. relatives. Right, okay. One of them had a, a small boy cousin who was, um, you know, roughly his age, and they were just terrible to him. Got and it. so he was supposed to go there for a few weeks, and he was like, you know what? Fuck that. And then he ran into someone who saw an Asian person and said, oh, are you here for the Wedgford Trials? Mm-hmm. And then that's how Jeremy was like, Wedgford Trials? And that was mark? Andy and his dad, right? And that was Andy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so they stay, he stayed with Andy and he did mm-hmm. the trials. Very cute. Very cute. So then the kid is like, okay, well, where did you come from? Where, wh- mm-hmm. how, what's your deal? And he's like, oh, that's one of the things you need to know about Wedgford. That's against Wed- Wedgford rules. You don't pry into people's history or past. You don't pry into people's business. I don't know if we said this before. Wedgford is like a very diverse melting pot of all different cultures and peoples. Yes. It kind of sets it apart from other villages in, in London. Yeah. yeah. My understanding from the descriptions that we got throughout the book is that it's predominantly different Asian cultures and then some white folks. Mm-hmm. But it's really cool because... It is this melting pot of Hakka and Cantonese and Mandarin and other languages and customs and and all the things. Yes. So he's like, the thing that you need to know about Wedgford is that you don't ask that. And and he's like, why would you? Why can't I ask that? What's Mm -hmm. what's the matter with that? And so he looks at him and he's like, think of how annoying it would be. If everybody was like, why are you bad at talking to people? How come you're so rude? What trauma mm-hmm. in your past made you treat me like this? Blah, 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 blah. And he's like, oh, okay, 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 fine. Like, I get it. Like, I won't. I understand now. And mm-hmm. I really liked this because this was, I don't know, it really spoke to one of the things that that Michael talks about fairly often, which is like, 
when people meet him a lot of times, at least, you know, strangers who are awful, they'll say, where are you from? Mm -hmm. And I've talked about this, I think, on the podcast before. And what they're asking is, like, are you born somewhere else or are you born here? And so it gets really exhausting to him and a lot of people to have to, like, constantly be like, I'm an American. I'm from here. I was born in this state. And have them say, like, no, where are you really from? Right. And so in Wedgford, where they understand the way that that makes you feel incredibly other and out of place and, like, you don't truly belong there because nobody asks a white person, where are you from? They just sort of assume that they're from there. Or it might come up organically in a different conversation. I used to live in Cleveland. But mm-hmm. nobody is like, hey, Aaron, where did you come from? Or where are you really from? Or where are you where from are you that's really not from? here? Yeah. Right. Right. So that's really, really interesting. But then the kid is like, okay, but so I don't want to break the rules here. But I am really interested in how Wedgford came to be. Like, how does Wedgford exist in this tiny, tiny town mm-hmm. in England in like you know, the the country, essentially. I don't understand how all of these different cultures came together. And he says the same thing. Yeah, he says, don't ask that. Because you wouldn't ask how London came to be or how Bath came right. to be or, or, you know. Derbyshire. Sure. Something. Yeah, you wouldn't say that. So why would you ask about this town? Because everyone here is just regular people, too. Right. You can't ask these questions. The same way any other. He says... He says, Wedgford came about the same way every other town did, and that's because people stayed. Yeah, people came here, and then they stayed. Right, which I think is a perfectly valid way to explain the whole thing. Yes, but I think so. Yes, yes, yes. However, because Courtney Milan has this point that she's making, and she's making it so beautifully and eloquently through this child and through how he how he's kind of learning the the etiquette of the town and stuff. Right. Jeremy then doesn't describe how the town came to be to the child. Right. But then he does describe it to the reader. Right. Or or Courtney Milan does or, you know, however you say it. But we're in her we're in his perspective. Right. He sort of remembers how it happened. To me, it kind of undercuts her point a little bit because I kind of I feel like she should have either left it there and then the reader could have accepted this town happened like every other town happened and I shouldn't have even wondered about it right or describe the whole background of the town because i feel like by doing both she's acknowledging that the reader is curious about it and wants to know about it and that it does need some kind of an explanation and i kind of i kind of wish she wouldn't have explained it and left it there just like jeremy left it there with mr lubler lubler wilsterstershire yeah shit Also, real quick tangent before I go into this. Yeah. One of the things that is like happened in history, apparently, that Courtney based some of this story on is that Worcestershire sauce, the one that I can't say, Mm -hmm. was apparently something that people didn't like. And then they put the barrel of it somewhere and then they rediscovered it months later and all of a sudden it was yummy. Really? And so Worcestershire, that one, it was an accident of fermentation that nobody tried to do. And then they were like, oh, my God, we have to recreate this. That's my understanding. Okay, like that. So, okay, I thought about this scene a lot because I do think that she's making a really, really important and good point, right? Because one of the things I love about this character is that not only does he give us all this backstory about the couple, but 
he also meaning the child like yes 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 sorry he also in real time sort of shows someone who has never experienced a multicultural place yep. learn how to navigate a multicultural mm-hmm. place in a way that won't be damaging to other people and with enthusiasm and curiosity and yes. love and want to be accepted and you know you know yes. all the all the best intentions which is great right right absolutely so on the one hand I think that point's really important. On the other hand, I understand that especially from especially from an author who is writing mainly minority characters in particularly a historical romance, there is that huge, awful subset of romance readers who are like, historical accuracy and like, prove it to me. And it's the reason that Bev Jenkins Mm -hmm. has footnotes in all of her books and the reason that this beautiful author's note had to be so Mm -hmm. long because there are so many people who are just going to be like, if it's not white, then I fucking don't believe it unless you And I need it explained to me. If it's not white, then I need you to justify it. Exactly. In some way. Prove to me that it's real. Yeah. So I also understand that friction of being like, no, what I'm doing here is totally valid and accurate. And I hate that I have to say this to you, but I guess I will. Right. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I feel like it's also very, it's very generous from the standpoint of educating people, not only on the background and the way a town like this might come to be and might have come to be in whatever country, mm-hmm. but also the way that one can help somebody new to a multicultural place like navigate that, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that as it is right now, the way that it was done, it feels like she undercut the point, but I also completely understand why. No, I understand why too. I know, I know. I I just kind of wished that she left it there and maybe put it in the author's note. Like, hey, here, you know, for the sake of history, like she did with the food and, you know, with everything else, interesting points, towns like this could have existed or did exist in, in this way. And yeah. then we could have, you know, read that in the history. But just the way that it was like back to back with Jeremy not telling the child and then telling the reader. Or maybe yeah. she described it in a different part of the book or something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or through Chloe's perspective or, you know, or, Mr. Fawn telling somebody or I, I don't know. Yeah, it or maybe. It was so close in time that I was like, no, you just justified why you didn't have to explain it. I you know. don't have to. You, <laughs> you don't know? have to explain the the these people's existences. Exactly. And that's such a good point to make. But I wonder, I think it would have worked as well if maybe Jeremy looked at the kid and said like, okay, just so you know, this is usually against Wedgford rules as well. Mm-hmm. But since I'm technically an outsider and since, you know, I did the research myself, which is something you could do, mm-hmm. Mr. Wilderhamshire, but it is actually easier for him because he has the ducal notes that nobody else has, right? Sure, 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 sure. I'll tell you because I'm also technically an outsider. And so the question posed to Jeremy is not the question of justify your existence. Right. Right. As it would as it is, it absolutely could be interpreted and would be meant maybe to a person who lives in the town. You know what I mean? Right. And so if he maybe he could have said, like, this is usually a faux pas, giving that educational moment and then saying, but I'll tell you this once. And in the future, I want you to do your own research or like in the future, I want I want you to blah, blah, blah. Right. Because the kid also has shown he has a legitimate interest in the town and the trials because later on he talks about how 
he looked up like 12 years of the trial's history and mm-hmm. like how it went and who found the widge lot and all the things. Yeah, I don't know. So I thought that both things were really good and necessary mm-hmm. for way different reasons, but having them happen in It was just the back to backedness. Yeah, it. it was all so enmeshed yeah. that I was like, but wait, though. I'm glad you saw it too, because I felt the same, I felt the exact same thing when I read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I still think that it accomplished both goals. Yeah, it was great. It was just kind of an aw shucks. <laughs> I just Yeah, for yeah. me it was just kind of like a way how hmm mm-hmm. and then I just, you know, I understood both points and I moved on. So, yeah. I don't know. Oh, hey HBs. I don't know if you've heard, but we have a Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, you get over 150 bonus episodes most of which include Aaron, videos of regular episodes, author hangouts, and so much more. Do you want to hear Aaron and I recap every single episode of Crash Landing on You? What about a little film called Psycho Stripper? Do you want more recaps of ridiculous Thanksgiving and other holiday books and movies? And how do you feel about Naima Simone and I recapping amazing reality TV? All of that and more is on the Patreon. There's so much content at your fingertips as soon as you sign up. Seriously, hours and hours. Anyway, it's patreon.com forward slash heaving bosoms podcast if you want to check it out. And of course, that link is in the show notes. Keep being a badass. Okay, so one of the things that happens in this chapter two is we find out a bit of Jeremy's history and the way that he and his mom interact. Yes. Because when his dad died, his mom took him back to China to care for her parents. And then his aunt came over after more people died. And she was like, he needs to be schooled in England and all that if he's Mm -hmm. ever to take over the ducal responsibilities, which he has to because he's the only child. Like, a lot of people had to die for Jeremy to become the Duke. So, like, a so crazy many. amount. Like, more than your normal romance novel. Lots yeah. of bodies for Jeremy to get duked. Piles of bodies. Yes, yeah. just piles, piles, <laughs> piles of bodies. Oh. Well, and that's because the he was the third son of a third son. And right. so he didn't think it was that big a deal. And he also didn't want anything to do with his family. And so he married for love without thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And he fell in love with Jeremy's mom when mm-hmm. he was colonizing in China. Okay. So anyway, when he went back, his mom was obviously really uh, worried because she had a terrible experience in England. Everybody looked down on her and yelled at her dad for marrying her and it was like racist and awful and you know the worst and so she's worried about his mental health obviously because he's Mm -hmm. this beautiful sweet child with you know super impressionable so he he's like trying to keep her okay about it and he was like don't worry mom we'll write back and forth and your letters will protect me because I'll give paper cuts to Mm -hmm. whoever comes after me. And it's like adorable. It's very sweet. But two of the things that stayed with him were, she said to him, they want you to be British, but I want you to know that you can just be you. Just you is more than enough. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing she said the last time he went home was in order to be happy in England, he needed to cut out every poisonous vine in his life. Mm -hmm. And so... He didn't quite know what that meant, 
But his mm-hmm. brain has been marinating in that for a while. Okay. Now it's naming time. Yes. She's in the lobby of the inn. Mm-hmm. Just like snoozing, right? Yeah, she takes the little napsies. And everybody's like, Chloe, you have to wake up. We need to know how I feel about snoozing in public. I don't. If I (laughs) fell asleep in a public place, I would just, I would move. Like I I would would relocate (laughs) to a different area of the world. I just, it's the most embarrassing thing I think a person can do is fall asleep in public. Wow. You know how I'm a barefoot bitch? I know you're a snoozer as well. I know. I know. I'm a public snoozer. One time I almost missed a plane because I went to sleep in between (laughs) during my layover. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. I was once at a person's party and they fell asleep at their own party. And I was like, we all have to leave so that (laughs) when she wakes up, she won't know. What what she's done, and everybody's like, "No, we just wake her up." And I was like, "No, but then she'll never want to hang out with any of us ever again because she'll be so mortified." And they were like, "Aaron, that's not a relatable take." Yeah, and that was the first time I learned it wasn't a relatable take because I thought we all had to sneak out. You know, like again, I'm going to talk about poop again. But when you go into a bathroom and there's another lady pooping in there, and you just have to pretend you just came in to wash your hands and leave. You know, <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> I was like, we have to all leave now. And wow, no I don't one, do that. to include the lady, felt the same way. What do you mean you don't do that? <laughs> what? I don't wash my hands and leave? Or like get a napkin and leave? Like a, I a, have a, to a, use the bathroom. I came yes. in there to use the bathroom. You just pee when somebody else is pooping in there? <laughs> you there have, are multiple no, you have stalls to leave. for a reason. Oh my God, Melody. That's terrorism. That is straight up terrorism. You're pooping in a public bathroom. What do you want from me? Privacy. <laughs> you have to leave. I have to pee. Or maybe no, you I you have to have leave to and you have to go to a different bathroom where you have to wait and come back. What? What? <laughs> what kind of a woman are you? <laughs> One who understands the naturalness of bodily functions, apparently. Okay. All right. Okay. Listen, I'll give you this in like, like a Walmart bathroom. Okay. Okay. But not like, like a workplace bathroom. Are you saying that if one of your coworkers who you may someday make eye contact with again, <laughs> or like a school bathroom or something, you know, a place where you frequent, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. you would just go in and pee while the other person is actively pooping? First of all, how do I know they're actively pooping? You know, you know, because you can't hear it. You can't hear the tinkling. They could. There's just be no clothing rustle, and there's no tinkles. They unless a there's a kerplunk, kerplunk. My God, Melanie! No, you I have to know. give people the benefit of the doubt, and you have to get out of there. I cannot <laughs> understand you right now. So, but second of all, I've never actually, I've never worked in a place that has a bathroom big enough. Or like a like a building that see, is see, populated see. enough to ever even think about this. So I honestly don't know. And when I went to school, I was still in that terrible phase where like I was super embarrassed about pooping. Yes. And so <laughs> are you still there? I is that don't a thing understand that you? how you have to be alone and you have to give other people the courtesy. I don't understand this. I don't even know how I would know they were pooping. I just go in, I pee real quick, I leave. Goodbye. I this is I don't spend hours in there if I'm peeing. Listen, they're gonna agree with me. I know it. I know it. <laughs> okay. 
Maybe I just have never been in this scenario. I have manners. Maybe I'm just too oblivious. I don't know. How is this episode so poopy? Erin. Uh, two episodes in a row, so poopy. Listen, here's the thing. Does this surprise me about you? No. Like, I know I'm being, like, very incredulous. Like, you know, like, I, I realize that I'm being very um, surprised and um, indignant. Mm-hmm. But I am not, actually. Excellent. Well, at least you did it for the bit. I do believe you were wrong, though. <laughs> and it, it does. I am dismayed. But I am not surprised. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyway. So if somebody else walks in, are you like, you gotta go? Excuse me. No. They I'm just moving right do. now. They do. You have to go. Because of manners. They just they do. do. Yes. You've never had somebody come in and just pee while you're pooping and leave. I, I have, but I've thought to myself, oh. what a bitch. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> so I'm a I'm a barefoot bitch. I'm a snoozer in public and I might be and I don't care who's pooping I have to pee person. Yes. Huh. I learned so many things about myself on this podcast. I think anyway. you learned so many things about the ways of the world on this podcast. <laughs> and I learned things about you. <laughs> oh no. Okay. Okay. All right. So now, so they're going through this whole thing about naming the sauce. This is like the last possible moment to name the sauce because they've only got one day to put on all the labels of hundreds of sauces tomorrow. Yeah. And Jeremy looks at her and he's like, oh, she's tired sauce and she hasn't been taking care of herself. I'm going to go. And he goes and gets her a tray of tea and black sesame cakes. Mm-hmm. And she, he comes out and he pours the tea. I don't know and there's what a black sesame cake is, but I do want one. Oh, that sounded very God. good. I love a sesame. A black sesame. I don't know if it was a cake or a bun. I think it was a cake. But either way, black sesame is one of my favorite flavors. It's a good flavor. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I forget what they're called. But on special occasions, my mother-in-law will make these. They're basically like, they're sort of like bao, but they're rice balls that are filled with black sesame or peanut or whatever. They're sort of like mochi, but boiled. Ooh. And holy fuck balls. They're so, so good. Anyway. Hmm. All right. So he goes and he gets with this whole tray and he mm-hmm. pours just one cup of tea because he only got one cup. And uh-huh. she looks at him like... I can't believe you got yourself tea. I can't with only believe one you didn't cup. get me tea. You got yourself and tea and you didn't get me any. Just her, yeah, because he brought it only for her. Of course, <sighs> he's the best. Then they've got everybody around mm-hmm. in the in the circle, and they're talking about naming the sauce. And then somebody brings up the possibility that if they name the sauce Wedgeford Schmerschmer sauce. Mm-hmm. Whiteford Brown. Maybe the I didn't know if they were at that yet, but yeah, they they were like talking about naming it. Wedgeford Brown or something to deal with Wedgeford. And somebody says, but what if the Duke, what if it's a famous sauce yeah. that makes a lot of money? And then the Duke finds out and finds out it was made on his land in Wedgeford and then sues us. Yeah. Then they curse the Duke for a little bit and Jeremy's very like, but it's a good name. So just name it that. It's probably fine with the Duke yeah. wherever he is and fuck him anyway. And if uh, if he does have a problem with it, I'll pay for your lawyers because I'm All wealthy litigation. as well. Yeah, I'll and pay it, for it. it'll it'll be fine. And then they start and making hilarious. fun of like how the Duke probably wouldn't even like the sauce because he's eaten far too much British food. 
It, it was pretty great. And they go through like the grossness of a lot of British food. Yes. But then Jeremy says he'd probably trade half his dukedom for two years of or two jars of sauce and a smile. And Chloe says dukes get lots of smiles. He doesn't need any more of those. And he says, I'm talking about one of your smiles. Obviously, they're different. Oh, <sighs> oh my gosh. Oh, and also one of the ways that this started was that all the ways that she was framing the new sauce name was sort of with a nod to White and Whistler's pure English sauce. Yes. And he was like, what if you just like didn't and you named it after something you love? Mm-hmm. Because when you put them out of business in, you know, 10 years, you're still going to be thinking about them every mm-hmm. time you say the sauce name. Well, and she also wanted to be very careful not to name it something like, quote unquote, too foreign sounding because right. she's she wants white British people to try it and fall in uh-huh. love with it. And if, if she names it something too Chinese, you know, maybe they won't try it. So right. they, they come up with all of these, like, the most British of all the British sauces, yeah. the, <laughs> the Englishest, blandest sauce, like those kinds of names, <laughs> so that the British people will try it and then be like, yum, what a wonderful British sauce. Yeah. But they do end up going with Wedgford Brown, which is a oh, it's the best. very simple name that she sh- could have thought of months ago. Aaron, <laughs> I'm sorry. Sometimes so- it needs to percolate a bit. Okay, I just feel like she could have had this meeting with her friends and said, "We're gonna, no. we're gonna workshop a name today, and we're gonna, we're gonna spend three hours on this, and we're gonna come out of here with a name, guys. Let's just buckle down, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But she didn't do that. She did not. Okay, so then he walks her home. Ah, uh, just walk home. Tell me everything. Such a romance. Well, it it's is just, such a romance. This is where he talks about how you know she's she's putting too many things on her list and she's setting herself up for failure. And then you know it's like be perfect is on her list sometimes, and like that's mm-hmm. not a thing that she can achieve. And she needs to be more forgiving of herself, and she needs to let people take some of her load for her. And I don't know. It's it was just very. It was very kind and it showed how much he cares about her and understands her. And understands her. Yes. Yeah. And then he talks about how how intimidating her dad is. And she's like, no, he's soft like a bunny rabbit. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, maybe a rabid one that wants to eat your face. Sure. <laughs> oh, also, she's drunk. She had some beer. Oh, to yeah. Celebrate. She did get drunk. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's like trying to kiss him. Mm-hmm. And he sort of won't. He keeps on pulling away. And she's like, oh, no, you don't want to kiss me? And she go- he goes, you're drunk and you're exhausted. And she goes, tipsy and tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Here's a secret. I always want you to kiss me. Uh-huh. And then she thinks to herself, maybe I shouldn't have said that. I like you. I shouldn't, but I do. Oh, it's so, 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 so good. Is this is this the night where she, uh, she masturbates? It is. Okay. I, I couldn't remember <laughs> She does when it was. a patented Courtney Milan artful masturbate. Ugh, so hot. And it's a great. It's so good. Yeah. And then she really has a big regret afterwards because she's like, I gotta, I gotta stop. You know, like, I'm just setting myself up for hurt here. Like, the more I imagine, the more I think that it could, it could happen and it could be real and it could be lasting the more i'm setting myself up for failure here yeah it says at one point during the masturbate that in her imagination he was silent and that's the way she knew it was definitely a lie because (laughs) in reality he would like whisper sweet things in her ear and all this stuff and then it says he would say everything to her everything except the things she most wanted to hear i will never leave you will never doubt me 
Fuck, Courtney Milan. So then the next day, she's got to do hundreds of labels. And then dad has to do, uncle dad has to do all the dough for the bow and the buns yeah. and the all the stuff that the sauce goes on. Yeah. Because the sauce is done, but the, the starchy things are not. Right. The, the thing that the sauce on. goes on and in. And is in, not, yes. Not done yet. And so he does help her knead all that dough. He does, he learns how to knead dough. Mm-hmm. The dad is making the filling. Abba is making the filling. And then she is loudly stamping the labels in the other room. And I love how this was written and read as just being like, uh-huh. stamp, 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 so, stamp, stamp, stamp. She's getting more and more aggravated by the situation. It's, it's such a, it's such a good writing. It's so good. Yeah, it it so is. And Jeremy is having a hard time because she was so sweet and she was so pliant in his arms and she was so mm-hmm. like obviously into him last night. And now he can just feel her rebuilding the walls between them and he is not into it. And she just keeps saying wonderful things. Like she says, after you've kneaded the dough, you'll be even more sore tomorrow. Not that it matters to me how you feel. <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck happened? Like, the last time I saw this woman, she was like, I like you so much. I'm going to need you to kiss me all the time. And now she's like, your feelings matter not to me, Jeremy. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> it's so great. It's so good. And then um, he can tell that her hands hurt a little bit. And he's like, what would you do for your dad if uh, his hands were really hurting? She says, oh, I'll give him a little massage. And so he comes over and he's like, I'll give you the massage too. So he massages her hands and she's like, what are you doing? And oh my gosh. (laughs) Can I? I? Yeah, please. So he talks about, she says something about being hungover and he's like, you only had two glasses of beer, you know, and she's like, do not speak to me of last night. And he goes, (laughs) why not? You were cute. You reminded me of a kitten. And she says, I am not cute. I am mean and harsh and you will respect it. goes yes yes absolutely anything you say (laughs) uh it's wonderful very cute scene yeah at one point he's talking about how much she's working and and if he helps her with her hands um she can do so much more work and then she goes i can't let myself myself think it's me jeremy and she says don't be cruel and he's like i never want to be cruel to you and she goes i let myself think it could be me years ago and you disappeared Mm mm-hmm And she says, please don't hurt me like that again. And then Mm -hmm. he says, I'm so sorry. I left because I was trying to be serious for you. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, I'll tell you about it later. And I wanted to come back and tell you how serious I'd been. Oh, but I hadn't become more serious. And then I came back because I missed you. Oh, it's because he had talked to her dad when they were doing that jar jar filling. They had talked about how he needs to tell her that he's the Duke of Lansing, but he's going to wait until after all of this because she's so stressed out. Like, she just has to get past this, like, soft selling. The trials. Yeah. And then he's going to tell her. Mm -hmm. So I I think that's important because the dad knows and the dad knows that he's going to tell her. Yeah, but it was also the dad's stipulation that he wait. Right. Exactly. So he's being respectful of her family by doing that. Right. And then when they have lunch, yeah, his portion isn't spicy anymore. That's true. It's n- no it's normal. Yes, this one. This one is not spicy. This one is not spicy. I thought it was more spicy. I'm pretty sure it's not spicy. Uh you're because okay, Abba's hands are like tremoring. This is right after the stamping. Uh, uh, uh. It says there was no need to trouble yourself. Jeremy started to say before he took a look in the bowl. 
Chloe's bowl contained the most beautiful yellow of mil- of a millet look. And then it says, his was bright red. <laughs> and then she goes, Abba, what are you doing to him? And then he goes, there was a need to trouble myself, Mr. Fong says. <laughs> All right, I'm it's on a wrong page then. I'm it's on a so different good. wrong page. I misunderstood. It's still spicy. <clears throat> He's still really struggling. <laughs> It's going to be spicy for a while. Even his bow on the day is going well, to be spicy. I remember there was a time where it wasn't <laughs> spicy and then it got spicy again. So I thought maybe because oh, he yeah. had 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 that conversation with him and was respecting, you know, may- maybe. But no, no, no. It's still spicy. Right. So then he pastes all the labels on the jars. And it's mm-hmm. really, really cute because he, like, has to learn how to do it. And then um, she finds out that her dad's hands hurt. And she's mm-hmm. like, Abba, what the fuck? Did you take your medicine? Because he's been treated by this Chinese herbalist in London, and he says he has enough, and enough is none. Yeah, like he says he has he has enough, and then she gets to the bottom of it, and he's like, "Yeah, none is enough because I don't none is enough because we needed that money for Mm -hmm. sauce stuff." And so she's like freaking out, and she's like, "I need to go get some for you." And then in he switches to Hakka, which Jeremy can't understand, and he's like, "With what money? What money would you do that with?" Question mark. And then she thinks about you know oh, oh. And then he says something about living up to her name, like, you know, be, he tells her stop she's helping not, me. Yeah, she's oh, not yeah. living up to her name. It's very awful. And she can't even, she can't it's even, very like, awful to her right now. Yes. Yeah. He's technically not being cruel, but it sounds so mean because mm-hmm. of the way that she has interpreted everything up until now. He says, I promised your mother that you would live up to your name. He keeps saying, stop worrying about me. Stop doing things for me. Stop all of this. I promised you that your your mother that you would live up to your name. He stared at her over his chopsticks. Now stop this nonsense and do what she wanted for you, Yilin, which is her Ooh. name. And so she's just taken in two by this. She's in pieces right now. It says she stared at him for a moment in pain silence. Her head was ringing, echoing with the sound of her own name, Yilin. What sound did feathers make? No sound. It was as good as telling her to shut up. Oh. Then she realizes that, of course, he'd been, you know, resistant to her helping with the sauce and everything because he wanted her to be the daughter that her mom wished for her to be. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't brash and it wasn't assertive and it wasn't, you know, career oriented, maybe commercial enterprises yeah 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 she's got all of these ideas because she's misunderstood him for so long yeah she's like i really thought that it was his pride you know wanting wanting to be the one that did the sauce that took down white and whistler because Mm -hmm. they fucked him so hard when they were being awful and racist and colonist and capitalist and terrible and she's like but no he just doesn't want me to be mm-hmm. part of it, me, Yi Lin. And mm-hmm. it's awful. Oh, hey, this is Melody jumping in from the future. I realized in our recap that we never circled back to Chloe and her dad, Mr. Fong, coming to an understanding about her name. By the end of the story, they have this really cathartic, beautiful talk in which they realize, or Chloe realizes that she's misunderstood him for ever. She has thought that the sound of feathers means that she's supposed to be quiet and meek and not very assertive and all the things we said before. But in actuality, what Mr. Fong means 
is that her mom always wanted her to be free. So the sound of feathers is sort of the sound of taking flight and being free. So this whole time, he hasn't wanted to burden her with taking care of him and helping him with his revenge and getting bogged down in his life. He's always wanted her to go off and do her own thing and conquer the world with his support. So there you go. Hey, HBs. I started an Etsy store. Did you know? Right now, it's full of all the St. Vincent items you need because St. Vincent is thoughtful and cozy all year round. We've got a book sleeve to keep your books, planners, e-readers, or really anything else safe when you're on the go. The inside is fuzzy and they feel so incredibly lush in your hands. I went round and round with the manufacturers to make sure I had just the right thickness. Those feature art of St. Vincent and Evie during their carriage adventure that was painted by the amazing Mayara Faraz on one side, and then I created a St. Vincent Would Always wreath on the other side that has a bunch of little Easter egg items in it. There's a St. Vincent Would Always warm brick enamel pin. It's like, you know, if you know, you know. I designed a special edition marriage of convenience candle that is specific to Devil in Winter with the help of HB Jen at Post Pouring Company. It combines dark amber for St. Vincent and rosewood for Evie. And it smells so delicious. It's hard to even wrap my brain around. So if you want to treat yourself or be the St. Vincent you want to see in the world by getting a care package for a friend, check out our Etsy store. The link is in the show notes. So then she and Jeremy are walking around and Jeremy sort of understands what's going on. And she's like, I'm really sorry that you had to see all of that. Like, <laughs> everything's fine. <laughs> but like, he okay. understands like a little bit of Haka and he yeah. understands that she is clearly on the verge of a breakdown. Like she's trying right. not to cry. It's really rough. And but so she won't tell he, him what happened. Right. She does sort of tell him a little bit though. And then he's like, okay, so what I'm hearing you say is that you got too much to do because you're only one person and there's not mm-hmm. enough hours in the day, especially if you want to go get your dad's medicine. Mm -hmm. But what if we use some of my resources that I desperately want to give you? Like, (laughs) I will have a person that I employ go pick up the stuff and then bring it to Dover. And like, I will go to Dover and I'll just get it for you. Mm -hmm. And then while we're in Dover, I'll hire a bunch of people to set up the stall and do all of that. And she's like, I don't even have money for that. And he's like, no, no. I will pay for it because I can. It's like mm-hmm. you've got these problems that amount to like three pounds in my brain mm-hmm. and you just won't let me take care of it for you, even though I'm absolutely more than willing, happy to all the things. And so she is like, OK, you know what? I guess we could look at it as an advance on the 10 pounds. And he's like, mm-hmm. no, I said I want to pay for it with my money. Mm-hmm. The 10 pounds is your money. Like, mm-hmm. stop it. And then he he flips it on her and he's like, do you know how it makes you feel when your dad rejects your help? And she's like, yeah, it's terrible. It's awful. It's the worst. And he goes, would you make me feel the same way by not letting me care for someone I care about and like help someone I care about? And she finally relents. Mm-hmm. And then I think by the end of this conversation, he not only 
gets her to do all of this, but he convinces her to like take a quick break and go with him to Dover for just like an afternoon out. So that's what they do. They're on the horse together. And so it's a hot, it's a sexy ride. It's a sexy ride. And this is where he starts opening up about the last three years, essentially. There's a lot of clown fishing going on oh, yeah. in the horse times. A lot oh, of, yeah. you know, they're proximate. Uh-huh. The way that she's like gripping the his skin, hips. The skin, the humming on it, the skin. Mm. Listen, it's good stuff. It's the excellent work. Bouncing. It's happening. So many bounces. Boobs mm. on the back. There's some boobs on the back. I think so, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so we find out a bit of what he's been doing. And he essentially tells her that no matter his wealth, his life sucks because mm-hmm. nobody accepts him. Nobody thinks he's a valid member of the gentry. Mm-hmm. Everybody's racism terrible. And so when she said, be serious, he was like, okay, I can do that. And so he went to Oxford and he was like, I bet if I got top of my class, that would, would that would be considered a mm-hmm. serious thing. Oh, God, this is awful. I know. So he learns Greek and Latin and he aces the whole thing. But then he graduates with no honors. And when he asks about it, because he knows he did the best, they say that since English is not his first language, which it is, which it is, they don't believe that he would have been able to do so well without help. And so he could push the issue and they could investigate and find out that he cheated, Mm -hmm. Jeremy, because I know you cheated. You're not Mm -hmm. English or smart enough to do this. Or you can just leave it alone and fuck off forever and so he was like so i left it alone and fucked off forever yeah and then um she finds out that when his aunt says that she wants him to marry an appropriate girl and an appropriate girl that she chooses it's not just about money and family connections it's about having the lily whitest english rose possible Mm -hmm. so that they can breed out the chinese in as few generations as possible Mm -hmm. like it is awful i don't even have words for it it's so terrible and it it sounds so realistic yeah and like this is where we get some of the complicated feelings he has right with his aunt that don't really come to a realization you know it it all comes to a head at the end but we start Mm -hmm. to get inklings of like you know his aunt took care of him and loves him quote unquote but then like and wants the best for him yeah and it is you know well-meaning but then yeah but all of that is framed it's all toxic and it's all yeah it's you know and and so he has a lot of just like really difficult complicated feelings toward his aunt yeah anyway it's it's very well described and very well oh it's so beautiful and awful like you Mm -hmm. know so they're chatting and chatting and he's like and i i I tried every year like i came back Mm -hmm. and i got all the way to the ridge where i could see your house and then i realized that like the years that he was gone these last three years yeah he's like first it was oxford that said i wasn't serious enough and so I I couldn't come back because I, I had nothing to show you about mm-hmm. being serious. And then the next year, um, he got there and, and he realized that, like, he still couldn't fit her into his world without breaking everything he loved about her, without mm-hmm. subjecting her to all of this racism and trauma mm-hmm. that would tarnish every beautiful thing about her. And so then he went back to China 
to spend time with his mom and get her input and all of that. And then he came back and he was like, and this year I just, I literally could not stay away for a moment more. So no matter my null set of accomplishments, Mm -hmm. here I am, you know, trying to be serious. (sighs) And then a couple of rabbits run by and his horse bucks and they fall the fuck down and he does grab her and spin at the last minute off the horse so that she lands on top of him and then she is on top of him yes and what a a great way to chase this very heavy very emotional very thought-provoking discussion yeah with just an old-fashioned lands on top of you like an (laughs) old-fashioned whoopsie doops here we are yeah i just feel like position I love it. it. So beautiful and heavy. And then just like a just a good old fashioned romance. Whoopsie dips. I liked how you said it. It's good. It's a great chaser. Yeah. Yeah. And then they they land on top of each other. And then this is where she finds out that he has named his horse Chloe. (laughs) Yes. So the horse runs off and he's like trying to just do like some whistles. Yeah. Here, girl. (laughs) Here, girl. (laughs) To get the horse back. And he's like, yeah, she's she's a really good horse, but she really only comes when you call her by name. And she's like, so call her name. And he's like, yeah, I just, uh, here, girl. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, it's just like, Chloe, get over here. (laughs) Chloe the horse. You named your horse Chloe. And he's like, it's just my favorite name. And it makes me so happy every time I hear it. And every time I say it. My heart lifts, he says. My horse, Chloe. (laughs) (laughs) And so then they do go to an inn. Yeah, they walk to the inn. And on the way there, they have this whole plan because they're, they're, they are, so dusty and dirty. dirty they and they dusty. got so dirty when she was on top of him, listener. Yeah. And he has gotten all of these ideas because he's like, oh my gosh, if somebody came upon us right now, they would be thinking that we were doing some really interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. And then on the way, she has come to the realization that he does want to marry her. That he, he is, is serious. absolutely he's been serious, serious about this whole her. time. He didn't right. want to leave. It wasn't her. Right. <sighs> right. Great stuff. And so they come up with this plan. He's going to go send a telegraph to his aunt, like, I think with the list, he says, or something like that. And she's going to go and get some transportation back. And then they're going to meet at an inn where they can freshen up and then wait for the servant to come to the train where station. somebody's going to wash their clothes for them. Yes. So there will be no clothes to wear. She looks at him and she goes, but Jeremy... What if they only have one room? What if there's only one room at the end? He's like, what are you talking about? Inns never only have one room. Like, that only happens in stories. Also, uh-huh. what are you reading? It seems like you've been reading <laughs> some sexy stuff. She's like, well, you know, it's the trials in Wedford, and a lot of people are coming in. I bet it's thing, so and, You know, maybe busy. it's just, like, so crowded. There might be only one room for And then us. he goes, well, if there's only one room, then we'll go to another inn where there's more than one room. And she's like, <laughs> Jerry, that is not what you're supposed to say. You're supposed to say we're going to share. And he's like, I can't say that we're going to share because I promised you that unless you gave me an enumerated list, I could not do anything in the realm of seduction. Mm -hmm. And so she goes, oh, well, that's very interesting. And so she pushes him into a dark alley, everyone. And she's like pressing herself up against him. And she's like, all right, so one, we're going to find an inn. (laughs) Two, we're going to go in and we're going to ask for a room. Three, if they say... There's only one room. We are going to share four. We are going to get naked in that room <laughs> because we have to have our clothes washed. And uh, five, you will take it from there. Uh-huh. 
And so he's like, oh, my oh, God, you okay. made an enumerated list that has gotten me so hard. Yes. Uh, wow. So then they do go to that <gasps> inn. And the innkeeper is like, there's four rooms. No, no, no. First, the innkeeper's like, no, we oh, have yeah. no rooms for the likes of no you because rooms. you're Chinese and... Ugh. It's the worst. And so then he puts down a bunch of money and is like, yeah. um, actually, I'm super rich. I was wondering rich. if you could recount the rooms you have. And the guy's <sighs> like, oh, worst. funny that. It's four. Yeah. Fuck and then him. Chloe gets more money from Jeremy and gives uh-huh. additional money to the innkeeper and is like, there's one room. I believe, sir, that you have only one. And they have to go around <laughs> several times before he's like, one room. And she's like, oh, no, we will have to share. <laughs> It's very funny. <laughs> and the innkeeper's like, well, if you, if it's that we do have, and she's like, that, 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 we have to share. Share <laughs> and Jeremy's the like, room. Jeremy's like, yes, we'll have to share. And like gives her this knowing, sexy look. Oh. Yes. So they do go up to that room and they start to get undressed. And he's like, he doesn't know how to handle it because yeah. all of his dreams are coming true right now. Yes. And meanwhile, she is interpreting his like hesitation and she's like, oh, my God, have I completely misread this situation and you don't want me? Oh, I'm so sorry. Like, that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. That That's OK. I'm just sorry that I pressured you into this. Fuck, I will go get another room or whatever. Yep. And he's like, no, 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 no. You can't doubt yourself. I'm having this because I want you so much and I have wanted you for my whole whole life like since i was 14 and then that's when he's like he's like you've been driving me wild since i was 14 and there's that freckle that that goddamn freckle on your neck did you know that it's been it's just been in my dreams for forever oh my god and so they do get naked and they he have- talks about how much he's <sighs> fantasized about the situation oh <gasps> And she's like, well, how many times, like, what would you say ballpark? Like, ten times? And he's like, no, no, very frequently, um, pretty much every time I do do the masturbating, I do imagine you and I this. only ever think about you. And yeah, she's like, okay, so, like, like, once a month? Once a month. And he's, <laughs> he's like, like, no. He's, he's like, like, if I had tell fallen me in that love. Every week, at least once a week, that, since you were 14. Like, that's crazy number. And he's like, no, no, not not yeah, once a he week. goes, if I had fallen in love with a less inspiring woman, <sighs> it would have been once a week. But no, I have I have thought and fantasized about you daily and sometimes multiple times a day. And she's like, you are an absolute libertine. Oh, because we find out as they're chatting about everything and she's in a towel and then she like drops the towel and she mm-hmm. oh, she positions herself in a way that he gets both side boob and tush. Mm-hmm. And like, wow, Chloe, what a seductress you are. And I you know. You didn't even know it. Yeah. And then she talks about like how they need to wash each other because uh-huh. they are they've so been, dusty. They've gotten so dusty. And then she's like, okay, well, you're going to have to tell me what's going on because, you know, I only have theoretical knowledge. Yeah. And she keeps being like, you can wash me other places. Um, yeah. I was he's being so respectful object. and yeah. being so slow and everything. <sighs> And then she finds out that he has never had intercourse. But as it's he said. in such a coy way because so she keeps being like, you know, he keeps being like, well, I've never had complaints from yeah. anyone. It's always been no, really she great says, for everyone involved. She says, wait, Jeremy, never tell me that you're bad at sex. And he's yeah. like, well, I mean, no. 
I'm not. I don't I don't think so. And she's like, well, have you had any complaints? And he's like, technically, no. Everyone involved um, has always enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. And then finally he tells her that he's never actually had sex. This Duke is a virgin. This Duke and is a virgin. And I believe our first virgin Duke was a Courtney Milan, was it not? Yeah, it was. Yeah, anyway. And he also wanted to take down the gentry. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. From within. And he also has told her before that he is very experienced. Yes. <laughs> Which, I mean, he is, technically. He is, in his mind. Yeah. Uh, he has fantasized a lot. Yes. And so, oh my gosh, there's also this moment where he's like, she's like, you can touch me other places. And he's like, oh no, don't, don't, don't tell me that because I'll, I'll touch you everywhere and then I'll just cling to you like a limpet. And she goes, this is just like you. You're talking so much about clinging and there's no actual clinging. <laughs> Oh, and then she says, if I, my plan was for you to tell me how to do this. And so if I had known, I would have like taken the time when I was getting transportation to like find some books or something. And, uh-huh. and he gets so turned on by the fact, by the idea of her going into a bookstore and either finding porn or like something else <laughs> to yeah. try to figure it out. And then they decide they just have to figure it out together. And they do. And so he does a big go down on her and she directs him the whole time. Oh, it's so hot. So hot and good. Uh, So hot and good. And he's like, I love how he's like, I've done this so many times. And somehow the fact that she's even more her in real Mm -hmm. life, being assertive and and coaching me and doing all of those things only makes it better. And and then. Now, I love how it also like dovetails mm-hmm. with her masturbation scene because she talks yes. about how like it, it has to be a fantasy because he's quiet and yes. her and and he's so not quiet in this scene. He's no. just like constantly jabbering on. So <sighs> I love how it kind of like you kind of know what she's thinking based on what she was imagining before. Right. So you almost get both of their head spaces, which is fantastic. Oh. Yeah, it's masterful, frankly. So then as he's penetrating her, like, then they start having intercourse. And and she he's like, you know, how how is it? Like, how are things? And she's like, it's, you know, it's good, but it's also, like, not quite enough. Like, I need more of what you were doing when you were going down on me. Before. Yeah. Yeah, before. And so he starts. And so she's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Like, I've totally ruined the mood. And then he breaks off what she was going to say with a kiss. And he's like, do not apologize never apologize. You must tell me. You must make it so that I make this good enough that you will want me as much as I've always wanted you. You have to give me that chance to like basically blow your mind, Jeremy. That's what he's thinking is he's like, never in any of his fantasies was she like this into it. Oh my God. And so he changes up his stroke and stuff uh, to get more clitoral stimulation. And then I think he like reaches down yeah, he does do a reach down, if I recall. Yeah. Man, it's good. Yeah, it's and so then, good. And then he comes on her stomach, and she goes, next time, I want to either help with that, or you can do it inside me. And he goes, and he was okay. like, yeah, no, he he says, oh, my God, she said next time, as if it's going to happen again. Oh, my God. And then he says, I can't, we can't do that because we're not married. Right. And then he's like, this is the moment. This is the moment that I need to say I'm the Duke and I want you forever and I need I want you to marry me. And then he's like, oh, I promised her dad that I would wait until after the trials. Right. And so he looks at her and he says, he says, I have something very important to ask you. But, but I also I have something very important I have <laughs> to say before I can do that. And so God. 
let's table this this until after worst. everything's done. This is it the- makes sense, though. It's like when somebody has, like, a thing. It's like what I did to you before your Christmas present, where I was like, I have a good present for you, but I'm not going to tell you. It's the it's worst. True. I hate it when people it's do this. It's the worst. It anyway, is. so then, okay, they do go back. They go back home. It's pretty. They do the whole trials. But there's a really cute scene with the dad where they basically tell them that they <laughs> tell him that they had sex. It's yeah. really awkward. And he was like, I don't tell you guys what I do when I have sex. Don't tell me what you guys are doing. And then they're like, you have sex? Ugh. And then they realize that he's only like 40. Yeah. Anyway, it was funny. Anyway, so they do the whole trials. Brown sauce is a big, big hit. Oh, with it's everybody. a big hit. They're Sells sold out. out first day the the mr worcestershire sauce he has the best time ever comes back like just completely head to toe dirty with mm-hmm. all these new friends being like i found the widget knot you know like everybody yes i i did the blocking to make sure yeah. that the person carrying the widget did the thing I was so and, like, valuable to widget times is so good and he got he got a nickname he's mr what you say right it's so cute yeah and then afterwards He's like, okay, I told you I would tell you after the trials, but we're both so tired. We're both so tired. So maybe we'll yeah. wait until the morning. And she's like, Jeremy, no. ah, you're Ugh. sad. You're never sad. This is not okay. You have to tell me because I won't Just be able to me. sleep. You're yes. not being yourself. And so they go for this walk. And he's like, I have to tell her that I'm the Duke. Because then if she walks away from me and she never wants to speak to me again, then I I shouldn't ask her the question anyway. I can't right. ask her the question and then tell her I'm the Duke and then, you know, have her agree to something that she doesn't have all the information for. Right. But then as he's talking to her, he's like, he's like, Chloe, I love you and I want you for the rest of my life. No, I wasn't supposed to say that first. <laughs> I'm getting all mixed up. He just can't like, he can't keep uh, it all together. Oh, it's yeah. so cute. And so he does tell her that he's the Duke and she's like, he, in the, and she's like, yeah. And then he's like, my full name is is like, you know, Jeremy, you, all the things, all the things, all the things, including um, including uh, a Chinese combination that mm-hmm. I can't quite remember at this point. And he's like, I'm the Duke. Yeah. And so she's like, wait, 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 what was that? What was that thing in the middle there? Because that's like really close to my dad's name. And like, I wonder if you guys are like weirdly related or if this is like coincidence. And he's like, I think you're listening to the wrong part. I am... <laughs> The Duke. I'm the fucking Duke. I'm the Duke. Good riddance. I own the your Duke house. You owe That's me. me. Yeah. I, you owe me 53 years of rents. La, la, la. And she looks mm-hmm. at him and she goes, Jeremy, well, hold on. Are you under the impression that people don't know that you're the Duke? And he's like, what? I don't understand. And she's like, yeah, we've always known. Everyone's always known. Everyone always gives you so much shit about, like, the Duke who didn't and the the fucking Duke and, like, yeah. the blah, blah, blah. Why do you think people say that to you all the time? And he's like, because right. they hate the Duke so much around here. People and she's like, no, we're making fun of you. Yeah, she's like, we never talk about the Duke who didn't when he's not here. That doesn't make any sense. We don't care about that. And then he's like, and so my, one of my favorite lines in this whole book is he's thinking about this. And he's like, he's like, hold on a second. If they've been teasing about him for a decade... Wedgford has been so much funnier than he's been giving them credit for. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I haven't even noticed the comedy of this place. 
Oh fuck, it's so good. Oh, and like, and he's like, "Why hasn't anyone ever ever said it to my face?" And she's like, "That's Wedgeford rules. No one Wedgeford. asks about people's backgrounds or how they came to be here or why they're here. Yeah. We just accept that people are here." And also, you seemed really, really embarrassed by your station. And it, you, like, if you had wanted us to bow and scrape and your grace, you you would have told us. But it seemed mm-hmm. like you like posh Jim, so we just call you posh Jim, and we treat you like a person because you're a person. Mm-hmm. And he's like. Holy wow. He was expecting everybody in the town, every single fr- like the only friends he's ever in his life had and and cherished and all of that just like turning their backs on him mm-hmm. and it being so awkward. And it's been a non-issue this whole time. Yep. So she's like, "Yeah, I'll definitely marry you. It's happening. We're doing it." And she writes on her list, "Um figure out what duchesses do." Yes. So she can do it. And then they do have sex against a tree. They do have a tree sex, which, um, bing, boom, bong. She's fully clothed, so it's this fine. This is the way to do it. This you is the do, way to do it. You do need something between your back and that tree bark. <laughs> yes, you do. Recently, a listener of the podcast had this experience and communicated it in our Facebook group about how the tree bark did hurt her. Abraze her. Abraze her. If you will. And lamented that, you know, how she didn't know. And this bothered me a lot. You did this whole thing. You've done it several times. I don't know how many times I have to tell people to stop (laughs) having tree sex with your shirt off. No naked Stop it. Yeah. Don't. You got to do it like this. You got to do it like that Frogs book. You know, that Time Traveler Frogs book. They did it right in the park. So, you know, there are ways. We... We read a book with time travelers and frogs? <laughs> when? The covert captain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what you meant was there was there were actually no time travelers and no frogs. No. <laughs> Did they do yeah. it on a tree? Yeah, they're in Hyde Park. And wow. she goes down on her against a tree. I will say that, that that's a little bit different. Because the thing that causes the tree injury yeah, is usually the, bong, the bong, thrusting, bong. you know? So if you just need to do a little bit of heavy petting or mm-hmm. oral against a tree, you're probably going to be okay. I don't know. I move around a lot, I think. I just I feel like too I, much. No. Okay. <laughs> also does not surprise me. I feel like safety first, you know, do it with a, a shirt on if you can. But yeah. I'm just saying that's a lower risk activity. It is, quite. All right. Bing, All bing, right. bong, safety. Safety over. Aaron. So, okay, so there, so it's the next morning now. Are you sneezing or do you have a point to make? No, I'm <laughs> sorry. I just saw my husband drive away <sighs> on a Ural with a bike in the sidecar. What is he doing? Oh, no. <laughs> like a bicycle. He has a bicycle strapped to his motorcycle. In the sidecar. In the sidecar. Incredible. It could be anything. Apparently, he's going mountain biking with his motorcycle. Now I want to know if there was a dog in the backpack. Anyway, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> okay, we're fine. So the next morning, they're walking around. The whole town is cleaning up the town. Mm-hmm. And she's got her clipboard and she's doing cute stuff. And he's like, oh, my God, this is impossible. And she's like, oh, no. You've come to your senses. You know how hard this is going to be and you don't want to marry me anymore. And he's like, no, I meant that I think that you can't get more beautiful. And then the next time I see you, you are. So, like, cool it, you know, with your mm-hmm. with your mm-hmm. thinking bad things about yourself mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. And so they're talking about 
how it'll go because he is really worried about it, obviously. And then as they're like about to get into the nitty gritty, this white, this polished white carriage pulls up with his family crest on it. And he's like, gosh, darn my aunt. Like, because he sent her a telegram that was like, the list is Chloe Fong. Am Mm -hmm. am married. Stop. Gonna do it. Stop. Marrying Chloe Fong. (laughs) Have done it. Stop. Gonna get Mm -hmm. married. Stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so the aunt shows up and... He's like, oh, aunt, this is my fiance, Chloe Fong. And the aunt is like, you can't say things like that in front of a crowd because the breach of contract suit is going to be so expensive. And he's like, Mm -hmm. interesting. I feel like I could avert that completely by just not breaching my contract. Yes, I will be marrying her. And that's right. So they have this whole talk. It's all the toxic stuff from before about how he needs to marry and stuff. And he does it in front of the whole town. And at one point... She says, or he says, that they need to go into the inn and have just this conversation as as a family affair. And, and he's the aunt like, is well, like, yes, of, yes, you're right. All of Wedgford is my family. So if everyone could just gather yeah. into the inn, which is hilarious. But it's all the same toxic stuff we've already talked about with the aunt. But it, at one point in this conversation, in his perspective, we get what his mother said about cutting out the poisonous vines did include even those people who are quote-unquote well-meaning or who are doing things quote-unquote out of love because when the there's this beautiful line that now i can't remember the exact wording of but like regardless of the meaning even if the meaning is well-intentioned if it hurts it still hurts yeah and it it doesn't matter if it hurts and what the intention was oof he says he says he puts his hand on her hand and he says Oh, because he breaks the news to her. He he realizes then that, like, he wants to stay and he yes. wants to grow. Stay and grow in Wedgford. And so he his like, stay can literally mean stay. Here, where he wants to be. What a novel idea. I just move as the Duke to Wedgford and I, I can do what I want. my ducal estate here. Yeah, I'm, I'm the, the Duke. Duke. I'm the fucking Duke. Yeah. And so he tells her that he's going to rent out her his ducal estate and she's like, just... And then um, he tells her that he's going to raise his family here. And she's like, but society would never be okay with that. And he says, this is society. This is the society that matters to me because it's the society Mm -hmm. that treats me as like I'm a person, Mm -hmm. a real person with all the human rights of a person. Mm -hmm. And so then he, he he puts his hand on her and he's like, aunt, I know that you have done this for me because you want the best for me and she's like yes and she does this like heavy sigh like oh good you see it my way Mm -hmm. and then he says but it wasn't for Mm -hmm. the best it was not best for me you're wrong and i'm telling you right now what is best for me it's to raise my family amongst people who will never look down on my children and never make them feel like they're less than because of how they look and and where their lineage was based. This is ugh. and so the and so he says you can either accept me and my family and my children and love us for exactly who we are or you will never speak to any of us again. Mm-hmm. These are the parameters. Because even in this conversation, she's like, well, your dad never should have married that mm-hmm. woman. Yeah. And he's like, if you speak about my mother again like that, I will mm-hmm. never speak to you again. And she also talks about what, you know, Chloe's involved in in all this stuff and it's not 
good duchess stuff. Yeah, because it's commercial. Yeah, commercial enterprises and stuff. And he grabs Chloe's list and underneath because at the top her, she's written what duchesses what do, do duchesses do learn of what duchesses do and then he writes whatever they want to do or something like yep Ugh, it's so good it's so so good and then there's two epilogues too so the two ep- i'll 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 sum them up real quick okay it's got to be quick because i have to pee so bad yeah i hear you <laughs> okay. i do too so um, the first one is they get married and it's fucking. He builds gorgeous. his du- ducal estate. He builds the ducal estate. Chloe mm. cannot be involved in it because she cannot think about how much money he's spending. Right, and the sauce is a. Uh, she got to keep doing all of her commercial stuff. Except he made it better because he brought his man of businesses in to be like, this is how you delegate. This mm-hmm. is how you hire people. We're going to yeah. make this a big time thing so that it can actually take down White and Whistler mm-hmm. instead of you trying to work 36 hours in a day. God, it's so good. And then the second epilogue is them with their children about eight years later at an inn that is frequented by White and Whistler. Mm-hmm. And the kids are really cute because they're trying to eat cucumber sandwiches. And they're, they're really like, just smashing them. They're like, there's no flavor. What's the matter with this? Why is this tea so yucky? I don't understand. <laughs> they keep asking for more sandwiches, but just to smash them. They, they just like want to smash, smash them. Yeah. Well, actually, so they're they're poking them with their finger. The girl mm-hmm. is poking them with their fingers. And, and she's like, it's not polite to do that. And then... Jeremy looks at her and he's like, oh, don't worry, you know, Muppet, I'll I'll show you. Mm-hmm. The the polite way to do it is with a utensil. So here, mm-hmm. have this spoon. And then he's like coaching her on how to politely smash the thing. It's so adorable. It's funny. So anyway, White and Whistler show up. Their account at that one in alone is 22 months in arrears. And so the guy's like, we can't serve you anymore. I'm really sorry. And he's like, you're part of the problem. You have Woodford Brown on the menu right now. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not buying our sauce. You're the problem. And then Jeremy speaks up and he's like, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll do their tab. We'll just pay for it. And, yep. and we'll also pay for any beverages that have to get them through the meal. Mm-hmm. And then they do explain that he's the Duke of Lansing and this is Mr. Fong, the guy that you super fucked over and left stranded in England mm-hmm. with no money after calling him a fraud and then using his sauce after it was fermented, just like he told you it would be mm-hmm. ready when it was fermented and then making a sauce empire off of his work. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, he's our friend. And they're like, nah, yeah. you're not they're our like, friend. This is just, you know, we're, we're all friends here. I'm sure we can come to an agreement. And they're like, oh, yeah, the agreement is that we're giving you the same opportunity that you gave us because that's how they framed it. Mm-hmm. We're giving you the opportunity to remake yourselves from the, from the ground up. So, like, congratulations. This is our friendship because yep. that's your friendship. Oh, it's so good. And then, oh, this is when she says that she finally has the perfect day because she gets to cross off revenge and her mm-hmm. entire list for the day is done. Because she's had revenge on her list for, like, years. But she's never yeah. been able to cross it off until today. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. So there you the have book. it. Boy, is it good. It was a good book. Very good book. Yeah. I All can't right. think of a lady love. I have to pee so bad. Okay. Aaron um, Lady Love is peeing when you need to. Just pee when you need to. Get up and pee when you need to. Yeah. Don't abuse your bladder. It's Aaron Lady Love. Mm-mm. My Lady Love is an espresso coffee machine. Yes. Because I... My, I am just, I am on top of the world. Right now. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I believed it when you I said it. I have energies for days. 
And it's good energy, too. There's something We're, about espresso caffeine mm-hmm. that, like, helps focus my ADHD. Okay, you can find us on all the places. <laughs> We're on Instagrams. You know where to find us. Erin mm-hmm. has to pee. I have so, to pee. keep being a badass. And love yourself as much as... Uh, love you, love. Were we funny at all this episode? I don't know what we said that was funny. And love yourself as much as you love going into whatever bathroom you want. Oh, my gosh. No matter the circumstances and just doing the business you have to do there in a timely fashion and then fucking off. Or, you know, people being polite enough to (laughs) let you do what you need to do in private. Yeah. Or that. And I'm going to pee right now, regardless of who's in there. No one's in there. It's my personal bathroom in my house. You know what you should do? (laughs) You should FaceTime me. No, I'm not going to do that. That's another thing that Melody does is she FaceTimes me while she's peeing. Yeah, I know. It's very strange. (laughs) Sometimes you have to pee. All right. Okay. Love you. Bye. I love you. Bye. Hey, you. Yes, listener, you. Are you loving the show? If so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. The 90 seconds you take to say something nice not only helps new people find the show, but it makes me super smile over at HBHQ. Also, I've had a few people ask, and the answer is yes. We are still doing the five-star bribe. If you leave us a review with five stars, then we'll do whatever book you want. We're real, real deep into the list, though, so it might be a while. Ah, Lilas! Okay, back to the show.